Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Patrick. And welcome to Cave to the Cross Apologetics. We are working our way through the book, Truth in a Culture of Doubt, and we have uh, gotten to chapter four. That's right? right. So there are basically five chapters, and then there is an ending chapter, right, that, that talks about what kind of gives the idea of reason is what that last chapter is all about. But here we're at chapter four. The idea here is that uh, uh, our authors look at uh, Bart Erdman and some of his claims with regard to Christianity and try to uh, show that they're not necessarily the way things are, right? So this chapter is Bart Erdman's claims that there were Many Christianities, right. right? Not just the one that we believe today, but originally there was many, many, many Christianities, and uh, you know the folks who were the most powerful and that sort of thing won out, and so they chose the one they wanted, and that became orthodoxy, right? Right. That's that's the basic claim of this chapter, and uh, and so he we've worked our way through three of these. Uh, subclaims with regard to this chapter. Now we're on number four. The idea here is that you can never rely on the winners to write an unbiased account of the past, right? Yeah. The New Testament is unified because the winning orthodoxy, um, those are the ones, the folks who believe, you know, they chose what was to be the canon, right? right? So the, the winning orthodox party they got to choose. Right. 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 And so these ideas come from uh, Walter Bauer, who wrote in the, the early uh, 20th century. And uh, Ehrman has kind of uh, uh, gleaned onto his uh, hypothesis and popularized it. And so a lot of people um, uh, will, who draw back to Ehrman uh, are ultimately drawing back to, to Bauer in, in, this, uh, in this version. Right. And so, uh, yes, yeah, so uh, history is written, written by the victors. Yeah. Uh, uh, we don't usually see defeats within uh, Egyptian uh, military history. Uh, it seems I don't like think if, we if, ever see. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it seems like if, if you read uh, uh, Egyptian uh, um, military history, uh, they always won yeah, until right. they disappear off the face of the earth. <laughs> so, so what's up with that? <laughs> hmm, interesting. Uh, so Ehrman puts the traditional view in a no-win situation, right? Mm. Darned if you do, darned if you don't. Right, right. On, on the one hand, Ehrman argues that the New Testament presents a unified theology because it was written by the winners, okay, who suppressed all the other views. So right. can't trust it. Written by the victors. It, 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 there were many. Uh, they were the one, uh, and uh, they, they get to write the history. But on the other hand, if the New Testament were to include a considerable amount of diversity, this would prove Ehrman right in his belief that early Christianity was unsettled and doctrinally open. Mm. So which one was it? Yeah. Was it both, neither, and? <laughs> okay. So the way that Ehrman has framed the argument is heads he wins, tails the traditional position loses. So again, it seems here that one's presuppositions come into play uh, if, if you're never able to uh, produce a, a, a possibility to the contrary answer that, that doesn't uh, inform your views. M maybe changing your views up slightly will, will come out. So, you know, which, which one was it? Yeah. So notice, once the assumption that one must be absolutely neutral to write history uh, is allowed to slip into the argument, right. Erdman not only places the traditional view in a no-win situation, as you point out, but uh, demolishes the entire enterprise of history, right? right? After all, there's no such thing as an unbiased historian or writer. Right. So In, you can including Erdman. Right. <laughs> and anybody throughout yeah. any history, if you set up a camera and you 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 
pointed at blue guys and gray guys. Well, okay, that, that camera is showing you what's happening, but okay, well, uh, one side is overtaking the other. Uh, one side seems uh, their uniforms are well-pressed and the other ones are, are not. Ah, so what's happening is the blue guys are subjugating the gray guys and, and um, the, the, the gray guys are the ones we should be rooting for because you always want to root for the underdogs That's of history. Right. That's right. Or you're talking about the Civil War and maybe understanding the context of uh, what the war was about, what each side talked about the war, what each state talked about the war, uh, why people joined to fight, why the, the, the blue guys had press <laughs> uniforms and the gray guys didn't. All that is backed by your presuppositions of what you bring to the table, how you're looking at it, uh, who you're looking at it through. So while you could have a camera, uh, the camera is just a machine there to record the event. But once you look at it and, and try and dissect what's happening, you're already entering into history as a person that is um, uh, bringing bias. And again, bias is not always a bad thing, but you are bringing a bias to it. And the, f the fact that people go to war, uh, if, if you have an idea that war could sometimes be useful, boom, there's your bias right there. Right, right. In fact, contrary to Erdman's assumption, the Greek and Roman historians during the New Testament period believed that the ideal witnesses were not dispassionate observers, <laughs> right? right? Yes, and I critics. just record what happened, that's right. you read it, that's what happened, <laughs> yeah. nothing else. These folks were rather participants in a series of events who were able to draw on their first-hand yeah. experience to interpret the significance yeah. of these events, yeah. right? So this is what kind of uh, the, the gonzo journalism was. It, it's this uh, idea uh, that, um, that even the reporter who's trying to report on events, they enter into the story by being there. So the gonzo journalism says kind of embrace that and, and be a part of it because you are already a part of it. You're not this this person with a with a, a white helmet on that says press on it and you're pointing at a camera that looks like a rocket launcher. And uh, every once in a while you accidentally get uh, hit and killed by by a, a bullet. But, <laughs> you know, people people aren't doing that on purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So so the real question, the real issue is, um, you know, not is the witness dispassionate? But is the witness truthful? Right. That's really right. what we want to say. And, and because no one can come to it, kind of this dispassionate <clears throat> robot thing. And even if you could do that, the person who's reading that isn't doing that. Right. So right. you're not able to do history in this, uh, you know, you can't Mechanical, trust anything writ written by anybody. Right. Yeah. Because, okay, by reading Ehrman, I can't trust him because he's biased, right? Right. right. He's, he's, he's biased uh, uh, yeah. skeptically. So yeah. I, I shouldn't be able to read him, right? Right. Okay. So indeed, the New Testament writers were partial. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 there's this guy, Jesus. He told me to follow him. I did. Uh, uh, I followed him. He said a lot of weird things that it was hard for me to understand. He explained them. Uh, he healed people. Uh, then, uh, unfortunately, the, the Romans came and uh, killed him. And then he rose from the dead. And then he said, you know, uh, I, I will save you uh, from your sins if you believe in me. And that uh, is informed by my uh, Jewish background uh, that of the coming Messiah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a little biased in, in that I'm going to believe that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so it, it, we go back to kind of the first chapter of dealing with, with Bart Ehrman's this, uh, you can't trust scholars who are believers. Well, if you believe that these things happen, doesn't that assume that you will believe that Christ is, is God and he rose from the dead and saves us from our sins? You can't just discount that because you'd have to discount everybody's view of anything. Right. Right. So the New Testament writers weren't partial as they should 
have been since they believed that Jesus really did rise from the dead. Right. Who would not be passionate about the story of a friend who was killed publicly only to rise from the dead three days later? Yeah. I know I would be. Yeah. <laughs> More so, who would not be zealous, uh, passionate, uh, if they believed their revered teacher rose from the dead after claiming to be the long-awaited Messiah and the Savior of the world? And so this isn't just a guy... Uh, uh, gets killed and, and rises from the dead three days later. This this is something that has a, a historical and, and and a religious claim that points back to uh, what's claimed to be the foundation of the world. Yeah. And so this this isn't just oh this is a a, a flying person that uh, is 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 uh, noted to fly and it happened six years ago where you, you you can't go back and look at videotape and it just happens. Do you believe it? I don't know. Like yeah. maybe yeah. sure possible. Uh, let's talk about it. Uh, let's see the evidence. But if you're if you're um, if you're making a claim within the scope of the entirety of history that has uh, um, a, a reason for why people are looking forward to this person called the Messiah and what that person will do, that informs th- the rest of it as well. Yeah. So this again, the issue is not whether someone is passionate or dispassionate or biased or unbiased. The issue is. Are they telling the truth? Right. Like, that's really what the issue is. Right? Uh, his fifth claim is that the diversity of views within the New Testament indicates that Jesus was not originally considered to be God in any sense at all. He eventually became divine for his followers in some sense be, before he came to uh, be thought of as equal with God Almighty in an absolute sense. Right. So he, Jesus became God. And, and of course, this is one of his books. <laughs> right. right. Uh, so we covered this a, a little bit earlier and uh, you can reference back to those uh, episodes. Uh, but when, once the earliest written evidence we have for Christianity, the documents found in the New Testament are examined, it becomes apparent that the doctrinal core was used as standard against heresies in the earliest form of Christianity. So it's, it's always a, a point back of uh, this is what uh, we taught from Scripture. The Bereans, they, they checked their, their, their Bible at the time, which is the Old Testament. Uh, you have um, Paul ex- extorting uh, the, uh, extolling the people that uh, that he's taught, like, have, don't you remember what I've taught you yeah. from the the prophets and, and and the apostles? This go back to that, <laughs> uh, and so um, uh, it should be also noted that at least in part that these works were distinguished from other non canonical writings because of their early dates and connection with Jesus's original fathers, who in turn rooted the claim of Christianity and Jesus' fulfillment of. Old Testament messianic predictions, and um, uh, G.K. Beale has a really good book about this of uh, the Old Testament in the New Testament, I believe it's called, hmm. um, where he talks about um, the, the the apostles' use of Old Testament scripture in the New Testament. It's really really good. There, there's a longer version and a shorter version as well. As yeah. G.K. Beale usually does. So what they do next is kind of they give us a, a section uh, that kind of provide a, a small sampling of verses yeah. that could be offered in response to Erdman's argument here. And so we'll just look at a couple mm-hmm. of them here. The first one is um, Matthew uh, 28, right? Uh, this is the uh, Great Commission. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And here's the key issue here. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the idea here is Jesus told his apostles, his disciples, to teach others 
what he told them, what he commanded them. Mm-hmm. Right? So teach others what his teachings were. Right. So that's the key here. Right. And this isn't just twelve. This isn't just fifty. This this is a lot of people that yeah. he's that he's telling this to. Uh, while you have the the twelve that were intimate with Jesus that can provide uh, greater evidence and and explanation to uh, different teachings that Jesus had that that these five hundred or so people heard, um, uh, y- you have uh, the the great commission to all believers to do this, yeah, yeah. even from the foundation of uh, right before Jesus's own ascension, right. Uh, and also in uh, in our uh, uh, book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, Acts of the Holy Spirit, depending on which uh, frame of mind you want to take, uh, it says this, Acts 2, 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. So that's what the early church had done. Is, is right, so Jesus said, you know, teach them what I taught you. And so the church, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Right? right, Jesus told them to teach, and they did teach, and that's what the church believed. Right, right? and they point back to saying, <clears throat> "Jesus said, listen to us," and people did that. Yeah, First uh, Timothy uh, one three. So we're getting into the New Testament uh, letters. This is from Paul, uh, where he says in one three, uh, "As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, so that you may instruct certain people not to teach different doctrine." So again, uh, if if you can kind of teach whatever you want and be okay, and as long as I get my money full, uh, that, that that's that's ultimately what it's about. Even though Paul works as a tent maker and works very sweatily, and people steal his rags, all very rude stuff for for a, a person who's making you a tent. Um, uh, he, he's he's uh, again uh, encouraging them to say. Go back to what we originally t- taught because that was the truth. That right. we're, we're trying to make true statements here. And um, it's things like sacrifice and love one another and um, 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 don't uh, don't be an issue with, with, with the Romans. Uh, don't be a, a rebel. You know, all, all those things that, that people just really ha- hate to hear. Right, but mainly the gospel, right? That Jesus came, right. he was a person, that too. He, he died, he rose from the grave right. and that sort of thing. So notice what we have here. We have Jesus saying, look, I want you to teach people what I taught you. We have the early church following the teachings of the apostles, mm. and we have Paul saying, don't teach anything different than what the apostles taught because that came from Jesus, right? right? right. So in these verses, they paint a different picture than Erdman's portrait of an early Christianity that lacked standards to distinguish the legitimate from false teaching, right. right? The legitimate is, what did Jesus say? How do we know what Jesus said? Because the apostles told us what Jesus said, and the early church followed the teachings of the apostles. So instead, these passages reveal that the leaders of the church in the New Testament era, beginning with Jesus, appointment of 12 apostles, and on through Paul and early other uh, church leaders, were instructed and sent out to pass on Jesus' message to subsequent generations, mm-hmm. right? So Jesus taught this. He taught this to his apostles. The church listened and learned from the apostles, and that's where we get Christianity from. It wasn't this, you know, Wild West show where everything could be believed and let's kind of pick the one we want. And since we have the most power, this will be orthodoxy. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. You go back to what Jesus said and what he taught his apostles. Right. And that's where you see, too, that there's no there's no kind of early pope. You know, you you have James, who's leader of the 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 church in Jerusalem. uh, uh, But, you know, it's it's. Uh, Peter going out, but then Paul comes in and says, uh, "Peter, why, why are you uh, only sitting with the Jews? The 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 <laughs> Gentiles aren't, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
uh, uh, pox people anymore. Yeah, right. they're, they're, right. they're people that you can eat with. You're going back to the old ways, and he does yeah. it. Shame does on it. you. He does it in yeah. person. To, he calls to him out. And right? calls him out, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so. It's in Galatians. So it would be hard to say then, uh, you know, well, we would see a more diverse teaching from all these different people. And so uh, that's why you, I think you see people that want to, want to pit James against uh, Paul. And, you know, uh, Paul says, you know, uh, uh, for by grace, you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves, uh, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then James talks about, uh, uh, um, you, you claim to have, uh, faith, uh, without works, that faith is dead. I'll show you my faith by my works. And so uh, there's an explanation for that, meaning um, and we looked at evidence this in faith. Earlier, in we, we saw this evidence yeah. faith uh, um, um, in, in our uh, Keeping Faith in the Age of Reason, uh, and that link will be provided below. Uh, but you would see more diversity of that. If you can just haphazardly do whatever you want because you're, you're Paul or you're James or you're Jude or whatever it might be, you would see greater disagreements than, you know, the, the basic tenets of, of Christianity. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, none other than the Apostle Paul, the most towering figure of Christianity in its early stages, acknowledged that even he was not free to alter the core apostolic message. And uh, so, was, not only did he call Peter out, but he said, "Look, if, right, right, yeah." Uh, he, he says this in Galatians, and this is one that I uh, tend to use uh, with with Mormons as well. So, to the Galatian church in one eight, he wrote, "Even if we." Paul and his fellow apostles, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than what we have preached to you. It is a curse to him. Mm. And that's anathema. Yeah. He shall be damned. <laughs> so the, 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 he's, he's saying, look, if they preach another gospel, Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, if they preach Jesus is a way, the truth, and life, they've changed it so much that belief in that will damn them. Yeah. Yeah. So notice the, the point here is that there was an original, you know, uh, core belief. Mm -hmm. And Paul is saying you need to stick to that. Right. 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 And so and this is an original and this comes from Jesus and uh, and is and, and is what the apostles taught. So mm -hmm. that's where we get Christianity from. Right. It wasn't winner take all. Right. 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 And, and this isn't Paul saying if, if you don't listen to me. Then I don't I don't get my comeuffins I don't get my 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 piece of the action and so no he's saying if if you don't believe this which is look at Jesus not me the chief of all sinners look at Jesus you you won't be saved I'm I'm teaching you what the gospel is is handed down to me by um, uh, by Jesus and the apostles um, and you know Paul has his assorted past of uh, you know being the persecutor and um, and he comes and and. Uh, studies uh, for at least three years and comes before uh, the, the early church and they <coughs> hesitantly look at him but realize, okay, you, you have a calling from Jesus himself. And so um, that's uh, where, where even Paul gets his authority from. It's not himself, but uh, the, true, the true gospel. Uh, and to the Corinthian church, he wrote, Now, brothers, I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaim to you. For I passed on to you the most important what I have also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Okay. What's the scriptures at the time? The Old, Old Testament. Testament. Right. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. <laughs> and that's from uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 3. And, you know, he, he talks about go to the... Go to these these all these different people who have witnessed it. They're out there. You can talk to them. And since we don't have that now, we have the documents that um, testify to that. So if not even Paul was able to alter the foundational message of Christianity... 
No one in the early church was allowed to tamper with the core teaching concerning the saving death, burial, and resurrection of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, again, going back to what, what uh, Paul called out Peter for, it was just this simple, hey, you're only eating with the Jews of the time. You're going back to these this old way of, of viewing um, the uncleanness of, of different types of people. Uh, which was uh, 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 yeah, uh, whatever food, right? Yeah. Right, a, a, a fulfillment of, of prophecy. This this is this was um, uh, Paul saying this is what would happen according to the Old Testament scriptures. We're going to be one people, um, and so uh, he's he's not pointing to you know you, you're going against my teaching. He's pointing them back to um, the uh, to, to, to the original um, proto gospel mm-hmm. and then to mm-hmm. the the gospel in Jesus Christ Himself. In fact, the early church had always um, had ways to pass on what orthodoxy was all about, right? Um, even before there was a standard formal collection of New Testament writings, right? They used, for instance, the Hebrew scriptures as their foundational text, mm-hmm. right? So what were the scriptures they were using? They were using the Hebrew scriptures. Yeah, right? th- there's a reason that Paul goes to the synagogues first whenever he goes into a new area, and then he goes out from there because... The, the, the Jews are the ones that are the kind of the keepers of the messianic tradition that will come about. And he's saying, hey, it's here. Let me tell you about it. And then from there, he goes out and sees sees what's going on. Good, yeah. They used uh, information provided in doctrinal summaries to pass on core teachings. We find some of these examples, like in Romans 1, 2 through 4, or 1 Corinthians 8, 4 through 6. Uh, numerous texts in the pastoral epistles, that sort of thing. They used... Um, hymns and liturgical portions to affirm uh, core doctrine. Colossians 1, for instance, 15 through 20, um, Philippians 2, 6 through 11. Right. That's why they, they also think, too, that uh, um, the way that Matthew structures his uh, table of Jesus' descendants in this uh, three, 14 uh, divisions, I believe it is, uh, is for kind of a, this uh, memorization, easy memorization. And uh, they used the sacramental rites of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, they also taught key theologies. Right. right. <clears throat> so scripture, doctrinal summaries, singing, sacraments, all of these taught key doctrines in the core life and worship of the church long before the works of the New Testament were written. And they were used as authoritative, unified collections. So long before that happened, where these, where the New Testament was written, we have these various ways that allowed them to pass on what orthodoxy was. Mm-hmm. So, and you see this carried on from the tradition of of the Old Testament with the Psalms. The Psalms were sung. That's what Psalms are. Yeah. And so uh, we do that today. We do it with catechism. We do it with uh, you know the, the the different elements that uh, you probably have done in in your church as well. Um, I'm sure we all remember all the the lines the, the the songs that get in your head that you are hearing once your 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 kids are grown up and you you're like oh, I remember that song now I won't be able to get yeah, yeah. out of my head yeah, for that's right it'll be in my head. And a half. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it's a bad thing because it's you know biblical. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, and number seven, claim seven, or I'm sorry, claim six here is that the uh, second and third century Orthodox leaders were innovators rather than guardians of tradition, uh, creating what is now known as Orthodoxy. So, so they just made stuff up. Yeah, so, so Jesus was this good guy. He, he taught some things, loved one another. Uh, then, unfortunately, he died because he was set up uh, as a scapegoat. 
uh, although scapegoat has a an Old Testament uh, connotation to it, yeah, uh, yeah. and so they were like, okay, how do we how do we main, maintain power or grab power uh, with, with with these new set of ideas? And then they have to uh, inundate it within the scope of New Testament uh, works, uh, the 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 the, the uh, gospel well, writings. And then they had to eliminate anything that didn't oh, have that. Right? Man. I mean, boy, these people were busy. Yeah, right? and <laughs> so much so that they were good that no other trace of anything else is ever. Been That's found. right. That's right. Okay, so that's the claim. Is it is it accurate? Yeah, right. So the actual evidence indicates that the adherents to orthodoxy in the second century were not innovators, right, but were faithful stewards passing down the theology offered by the apostolic leaders in the New Testament period. Right. That's the way they saw themselves. The rule of faith, which we mentioned earlier, played an important part in maintaining um, in the church leaders the second century the essential convictions of Jesus and the apostles. The rule is found throughout Orthodox writings right. of the second and third centuries from various geographical locations. So all 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 around the empire, you see the, the rule of faith in the various writings. Right. right. So you can kind of think of this as as uh, the early creeds or uh, you know your catechisms. Yeah. Uh, so the rule then suggests that, that the rule of faith suggests that from the beginning of the post New Testament Church, a, a geographically diverse group of writers had a theological standard that unified them. So you have a church in uh, 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 kind of northern Turkey, you have one in Jerusalem, you have one in Egypt. Well, people over time kind of develop certain different traits and, and characteristics and um, uh, emphasis on teachings because, you know, what what's happening in Egypt isn't what's happening in northern Turkey. Um, uh, so you have different emphasis. So but you did have a core idea, right. a rule of faith that they all held right. to, right? And so we see this in Paul's letters. He mm -hmm. Again, he makes this big circuit around a couple times, and he addresses, hey, here's here's Corinth. Corinth is known as this, like, Mecca center, uh, before Mecca, this 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 Mecca center of, like, debauchery, so much so that there are, like, Greek words that, that, that uh, if, if you want to call someone like kind of a really bad name, it's this, it's a Greek Corinth term. Yeah. And, and, you know, what, uh, you know, why are they uh, dealing with sexual sins and all this stuff? Well, it's because there's an emphasis on that. And so what does he go back to? He says, here's the gospel. Yeah, and he lays it out in first Corinthians one. Mm -hmm. Here's the, the, the basis of the gospel. Now let me address within the frame of the gospel, within the teachings of, of, um, of Jesus, what, what the response to this is? Mm -hmm. uh, what did Jesus say? And Paul is continuing that 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 tradition within the scope of the Corinth church, which is different than Ephesians or Ephesus or, or you know all these different ones. You see it in Revelation the, to the seven churches. They 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 each are Had dealing with different things, different so, issues. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's <clears> but there was a core teaching, right? A and rule it, of faith, right? And if you disavow or pretend not to notice the first century church, you miss this. Yeah. You miss this. Yeah. And you move on to the second century for, for no particular reason. So in the second century leaders' writings, it is evidence that they saw themselves as handing down these central teachings. So the, it continued, but now it's meeting up with these, this Gnostic teaching uh, in, in, in specific specificity. So for the early church, the rule of faith was rooted in the Old Testament prophetic message fulfilled in Jesus and subsequently proclaimed by the authors. The central teachings were then passed on to the fathers who saw it as their role to pass on rather than invent uh, the apostolic message. Right. So they were passers-on, not inventors, right? Right. And so I'll refer to another Michael J. Kruger book, as we have been uh, for this chapter. 
question the canon. Uh, so it's it's talking about how uh, the apostles aren't just writing for the sake of, well, this seems like a good idea. Uh, it, it, he makes the, the argument that they're continuing the tradition that the prophets and that, that God uh, um, um, uh, made the early kings and, and prophets do, which was write down God's words in the form of this kind of covenant factor of you're making an agreement between between God and man. And so you're by, by, by adhering to this uh, voluntary contract, you're entering into this relationship. And um, um, the, the, the apostles are kind of this, the, these, these scribes who are, who are uh, forming the agreement on behalf of God. Mm. And so um, it's a really good book. Um, uh, pr- probably I, maybe one of Kruger's lesser known ones that I see cited, but one that is uh, e- equally fascinating. And so um, it's not just the, the, the apostles are writing for the sake of writing. It's coming from a tradition of, of, of a, a Jewish, Hebraic, Israelite background right. uh, that uh, the, the, the holy books were laid up in the temple. They were viewed as authoritative. They were viewed as God's word. They were viewed as unchanged, uh, 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 unable to be changed from uh, uh, translation to translation. So you had um, the, the Jewish scribes take, take um, very careful consideration when, when um, maintaining the, the, the overall um, passing down even from a uh, 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 Hebraic language to a Greek language. Mm. Uh, and so they continue to this tradition. It just doesn't form out of nowhere. It just doesn't, right. oh, this sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so why don't we end it here and uh, pick up uh, chapter or so the seven, eight, <laughs> and then the last yeah. portion of this that chapter uh, next time. All right. Yeah. Uh, so again, thank you for joining us. Uh, all the links to the books and uh, anything else that I said we would include in the links, I always include at the bottom show notes. Uh, if, if you're listening to this, uh, then um, you can find it on uh, the, the notes version of your your whatever podcast player that you're using. Uh, or you can go to caveofthecross.com and do slash EP, whatever the episode number tends to be. That's where you can get all our notes and go back there for all the other books that we've done so far. So I uh, hope you enjoy this. hope it's interesting. Uh, we're signing to, to Bauer, who uh, seems to be uh, very popular even still today for reasons unknown. And so hopefully um, um, this gives you greater confidence when you hear Bart Ehrman's claims or people making claims on behalf of Bart Ehrman uh, that, uh, that you know a little bit more about it. Yeah, so if this has been helpful for you, make sure you press the like button, subscribe. And, Tell other uh, people. That's right. Yeah. Share it. Yeah, let, let, yeah, let's all pick up our, our, our dusty books together. <laughs> so thank you. See you next time.